Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. What's going on out here? Call the police. Tell the sheriff I shot him. Who? Tell him he's still on the loose. Is this some kind of joke? I've been trick-or-treated to death tonight. You don't know what death is. Hey, sinners! I'm Shannon. And I'm Sean. And this is Sinful Cuts. Yay! No, we love it. <laughs> All right, so very excited for this episode. This is our, I think, is our, is our first two-parter? Right? This we, we just is our two, first two-parter. Yeah, we had to, so we wanted to talk about Halloween 1 and 2, um, so we hope you enjoyed that episode. Um, but we obviously decided to give them each their own space, uh, just because even though they're um, you know, linked, uh, obviously very much. So I, I definitely see them as two completely different movies, yes. two completely different experiences. And they feel very different. And they do feel different. Yeah. But- so now in, uh, from 1978, obviously it was very successful. Um, so now fast forward and this movie, uh, it got made in 1981. So a couple of years passed, and now we, uh, in between this, basically, now started the whole slasher craze yes. where Friday the 13th got made, Nightmare on Elm Street got made. And and now, like, the gore factor of these movies was becoming a lot more popular. Yeah. And so that's what they went into, where on Halloween, they more went Hitchcock style. You know, we need to focus more on suspense. And it worked brilliantly for that film. But now, uh, new eyes, new hands, new ideas going into the second one where um, they just knew they had to turn it up uh, a notch or 11. <laughs> Maybe not 11, actually. I- I've definitely seen gorier movies, but but, um, but very different from the first one. The f- slasher craze that starts really... Uh, it really didn't start in 78 with Halloween because mm-hmm. it took a moment... It really took um, Friday the Thirteenth to to that was like the powder keg, yeah. Where 
studios and, and especially independent filmmakers saw, wow, we can make horror films yeah. quick, cheap, and easy, and um, and get them distributed and make a make a buck. Yeah, I can remember opening up the paper back then um, because. I am as old as the hills. <laughs> I remember opening up a paper too. <laughs> and that, that's how you had to check the, the movie times. Sinners, a paper was a thing that was made of paper. And you would open <laughs> They're it. They're like, yeah, what paper? What paper do you, are you talking about? But every, this is the newspaper, people. Every, every Friday, I'd be obsessed with seeing what the ads were for the new movies coming Same. out yeah. and back then you would open up the paper and there would be all these tiny little thumbnail ads for all of these horror movies and you'd be like what is Mother's Day yeah. and why is it freaking me the fuck out yeah. sometimes I mean the 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 ad was so small and grainy that you could barely even make out what the title of the movie was, but you knew you're like, we'll have to go see this happy birthday to me. Uh, 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 you know, uh, graduation day, April school, April fool's day, April fool's day. I mean, and this went on for the entirety of the eighties that there was just so many movies and I've looked like, they would show up for a week, they'd be gone in a week. You know, the bigger movies hung around forever, but these ones, they would come real fast. Silent Night, Deadly Night. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. Yeah. I remember that I, I, I took the train with two friends because uh, we lived in a, we lived in a pretty Catholic, you know, conservative town and they wouldn't show it. There was a lot of protesting. So we jumped on the train and we went into Queens and we saw Silent Night, Deadly Night. And of course, you know, we left the movie theater and we were like, What's all the hubbub about? <laughs> Go watch four slashers last week that were way better and way worse than this. You know, so we didn't. Anyway, you, sometimes you had to. You actually had to hunt these things out. But my point being that, all right, now we're at really the beginning of the slasher boom, and it's crazy exciting, and um, you're getting a lot of films being produced like like i said some good some bad but here you've got john carpenter and you got deborah hill and they're like okay john carpenter wants to make his halloween anthology which is like the the, the most heartbreaking of all heartbreaks that he eventually does get to do uh or at least produce halloween three um which was in the vein of what he wanted to do a different halloween story right the only you know the 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 anchor factor is that it has to take place on Halloween. You're in a different locale and it's a different story altogether. Now, we know what happened with Halloween 3. It actually it got just lambasted when it came out and then, of course, decades later it's completely beloved and it's really all-time cult classic. Yeah. Well, people, I think, saw the vision that Carpenter wanted to um, instill originally yeah. and it probably would have been more successful if he just got his way. I think if Halloween 2 went on to be what his original idea to be and because it's it's possible he he would have created another iconic character um for whatever he was gonna write for halloween 2 we'll never know unless technically maybe season of the witch technically would have been too um but we're never gonna know and unfortunately handing these over to different directors and it, it would have just been it would have been so much more creative than what we eventually got. Look, we, we love the Halloween franchise, but you have to admit, it's point of diminishing returns the further you get down the line. Just like every franchise. Had it been a true anthology, every single movie would have been a one-off fresh. Mm -hmm. with a, Like, like uh, you know, a John McTiernan 
Halloween movie set in in I don't know a, a haunted castle in Scotland. Right. Like you think about these things and you're like, God damn it, why couldn't we get this? But anyway, it didn't happen. Yep. So now uh, John Carpenter's faced with, all right, what do I do? I, 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 he definitively tells the studio, I'm not going to direct a second one. That's, that's that's not where my head's at. But he does want to get paid. Yes. <laughs> so he's like, what I'll do is I'll write it for you and I'll produce it for you. Yeah. So along with Deborah Hill. Right. So, okay, great. John gets his cash. Now he's tasked with he, actually writing the So Yeah. So, so he sits down and what comes out on the paper? Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> like, as blank so, as Michael so, Myers' stare. <laughs> so he, became, he came up with such terrible writer's block. Um, it turned him into a little bit of an alcoholic. <laughs> he does even say, <laughs> he does even say he got, it was a six pack of, uh, uh, a, a night. Budweiser, yeah. Uh, yeah. Six pack of Budweiser a night, I believe it, uh, while he was writing this. So, um, it's, uh, yeah, like, like it, I, but I'll, it's, it's tough when he started, like literally the first thing in my notes that I'm pointing to. We're center, pointing again. That it, <laughs> we're, pointing, we're pointing. It literally just says, no one was interested in a sequel. <laughs> I mean, Nobody was interested. Except, but what the studio was though, right? Oh, Weren't yeah. they like, oh, got- well, because, because, okay, so the, obviously the, the, the movie it's, you know, we talked about it in the last episode where the success was astronomical, right? Compared to what they spent on it, compared to what they made. I don't so, even know how to course, do the math on that. Like, it was like a 2,000% return. Something. On uh, along those lines. That, that's unheard of. Yeah. It was absolutely unheard of. So, and everyone, you know, loved Michael Myers. They, you know, so now, like, other icons are approaching, and I think they already, they probably heard about them uh, go, excuse me, going into making their own sequels. Like, so those series were happening. And we were saying before that it got to the point where Halloween 2 was going to get made. Regardless. The, the train was leaving. Yeah. Either you could stay behind or you could just get on the train. And, you know, so it kind of is what it is. So, And he would have been paid for the characters created, of course, but Jon Snow dummy. Yeah, he's he, like, let me get a producer credit. Let me get that producer cash. Yeah, let me write it. Yeah, let, let me let me at least try to provide. Yeah. Yes. So yes. some ideas that they had, which are interesting, um, were uh, instead of a hospital, it was going to take place years later mm-hmm. with Laurie as a grad student, and she was going to live in a high rise, and the movie was going to take place in, in, in a city. Yeah. So I, you know, I'm thinking, okay, immediately I'm thinking of Evil Dead Rise, just from this past. The year, and I'm thinking of Poltergeist three. Poltergeist three. You know? Those are the two that literally popped in my head, and so it's interesting. The and but the vibe of the city for some reason is kind of like mm. nah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You're right. It's a, like they. I feel like they all didn't do. I mean, Poltergeist three had its own you know issues, um, but it definitely felt different. And um, I, I mean, I I don't remember if I ever gave my opinion on Evil Dead Rise. Um, but it it just it didn't feel it didn't feel right. I don't know. I as I, I didn't hate that movie, but I didn't love it either. And I'm wondering if it's because of it taking place in an apartment building. Um, I I did like Evil Dead Rise. I I I enjoyed it, but I I see you. Mm-hmm. I see your point. Yeah. Um, there is something to be said about taking it out of its iconic setting. Yeah. Um, I know they bookended it with yeah, the cabin. They, yeah, the cabin, they, they put but, it. Yeah, they did. They did add it in there, which is fine. But but 
but I, I, I do agree with you that you take Michael out of that that suburban setting because he made the suburbs terrifying as fuck. Yeah, you know, and you know those those neighborhoods. I would bike ride down them. I mean, it, it made it truly terrifying. Like, holy jeez, this the boogeyman can come here. I didn't know that that, that could happen. So. Interesting idea. Kind of glad that it's the hospital setting because I think hospitals are inherently creepy. Yeah. Deserted hallways and all that. Especially this one. Like, nobody turned the lights on. There were no other patients in the whole hospital. She literally is the only patient. <laughs> besides, the, besides the babies, like They're, in the in the, in the the newborn uh, section. I kept waiting. The first time I saw this movie, I was like, oh, he's, is he going to kill babies? I don't know what is <laughs> happening here. I was so nervous during that whole that whole scene. One idea they had for the film that I'm so glad that they didn't follow up on was 3D. Oof. Yeah, they were thinking about making it in 3D. Um, this would have this would have predated Friday the 13th in 3D. Yeah. Some there was some, studios were talking about they were shoving 3D up everyone's asses. You yeah. can tell because you finally get it actually happens in a franchise. But they're like, we can't do this. 3D is we most all our stuff's at night in the dark. 3D doesn't work in the dark. No, so. no. We need shadows. Yeah. We need Thankfully darkness. We need... Yeah. It, well, they well they didn't even shoot it that way. Because I'm like, there were no scenes that would have anchored that. But they, I'm assuming then they, they scrapped it right yeah, from the very it. beginning. Okay, good. Yeah, they scrapped it. But okay. look at it. You got Jaws 3D. You got Friday the 13th 3D. You got Amityville 3D. Mm, so, true. yeah, they were... Someone... Well, three, 3D is a, is a craze for like a hot second that everyone gets sick and tired of it. And, you know, or especially those who have vertigo. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, this is why this shit sucks. Uh, <laughs> I hate, sorry, 3D, I hate your guts. <laughs> I can't stand you. <laughs> I saw, I, I saw Piranha in 3D. Okay. Oh, that was wonderful experience. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I loved that movie in 3D. But, so I guess it has to be the right movie. It's, it's True. you know, like, I, I would, I can't see this movie being uh, good in 3D. Um... Weird little fun fact about me. I love Friday the 13th 3D. I love that movie. Don't like the 3D. I never saw it in 3D, but I love Friday the 13th 3. No, I never saw it in 3D. Right? Okay. So anyway, we're back on track here. So (laughs) so Carpenter agrees. Okay, I'll be behind the scenes. Let's get our our man um, Rick Rosenthal. Rick Rosenthal directs it. Um, I think he was the one that came up with the idea of how about you just continue the night? Like, literally pick up where you smart. left off, yep. and then the rest of the story... Um, I can't necessarily say the rest of the story wrote itself. It didn't. <laughs> but but, it, but it, 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 I think it finally clicked, and it made sense to give it a setting. Oh, yeah, yeah we can do a creepy hospital setting. And um, I, I, I think that worked. It worked. Mm-hmm. I, I really like a creepy hospital. Sinners, um, another creepy hospital uh, deep dive for you is a Michael Ironside movie that came out just around the same time called Visiting Hours, where I think he's, I was going to say Lee Remick, but that's not Lee Remick. It's Lee something or other is the protagonist. It's not bad. It's not bad. And Michael Ironside is Michael Ironside, so you know he's good. And he plays a super creepy killer. Okay. Um, uh, Yeah, so check that one out. Um, I just remember seeing that one uh, in the theater as well. And, And again, you know, bear with me i was young at the time so i don't know if it holds up but if you're into creepy hospitals there you go (laughs) so now we got we got the green light let's go we got rick rosenthal in place we we get a script and honestly knowing the problems that john carpenter had 
even coming up with an idea and fleshing out the script, it's not bad. For, it, uh, from having coming from writer's block completely to at least having an idea of where where to go, it's not bad. It, it it wasn't a terrible idea once they finally got there. The only problem I have with it is it introduces the family concept, yeah, which bothers me because yeah. I feel the movie the the, the movie's better without it. it well because it doesn't need it. Well because like what we were talking about in the in the last episode it's yeah, you didn't need it. You could have just kept it simple. Like like you know like oh they need a reason why. Why do you need a reason why? Yeah, you don't. He's you don't just, need a reason. He's just, he's just a fucking lunatic. And look, like, he's got OCD. He's got to finish the job. Yeah, you know? and he, he yeah, she's the one that got away. Mhm. That that I would have accepted that. Yeah. You know, like He's like final girl in my ass. Yeah, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> like not in my movie. <laughs> I'm going to try again. So now we... Uh, okay, so so let's start it off. We actually start the movie with the first three minutes of the last movie. Yeah. Which was, I guess, a little bit of a novel approach at the time, but Rick Rosenthal thought, all right, let's just, let's just use that insanely iconic three minutes from the end of the last film to give our new film just a little bit of juice you know well also too it's been a couple of years so those that you know maybe just need a little refresher at this point maybe have seen all the other ones like let's let you let's just start it yeah um right where it left off so if you remember from the last episode i mentioned that um for the the final scene uh michael myers gets shot six times uh, Dr. Loomis goes over and doesn't see Michael Myers lying there as he should because he fell from a balcony after getting shot six times. So, but he has this look on his face that he just, he doesn't react. He just like looks around and, and basically just kind of, you could tell internally accepts that his his search isn't over. He's going to keep hunting him down. And he, it's like, he and he, they filmed it so that he, he just knew. Yeah. He knew he was dealing with evil. Why would evil just lay down, you know? But they did film uh, as well with him being surprised. Oh my god, I shot him six times and, and, you know, now he just got up and walked away like it was nothing. What the fuck am I dealing with? I shot him six times! I shot him in the heart! He's not human! Universal Pictures presents Halloween 2. More of the night he came home. There was nothing within him, neither conscience nor reason, that wasn't even remotely human. Some kind of a joke? I've been trick-or-treated to death tonight. You don't know what death is. Janet, go tell Mr. Garrett we're having trouble with the phones. There is no place to hide. He will always find you. What's this? It's a Celtic word. It means the Lord of the Dead. So, now that we have... So, obviously, if you remember the end of Halloween, they went with the scene of Dr. Loomis knowing that that would happen, or at least not being surprised that that happened. Now you see the the uh, beginning of uh, uh, I almost said episode two. Jesus Christ! <laughs> it, is, it is episode <laughs> of the sequel. They kick it off in that uh, in that scene, 
uh, yeah, some repeats. So I just like they just took the from from the old one, and now they they kick it off now with this new movie. And it we were talking about it before that we pretty sure he fell out the front yard. Now this one looks like he fell out the backyard, no, the, the or way. vice versa. He goes out the backyard in the in Halloween, and somehow he ends up in the front yard <laughs> Halloween too. The whole the whole ten minutes is so insane because you you do have Loomis. Is now doing like the the um, the Luke Costello from Meet Frankenstein, where he's like he sees that Michael's not there, and he's like, like he looks like freaking like a, like any like Looney Tunes character with his eyes like bugging yeah, like out an of his old head. Card so so now I'm like, okay, did they actually take the other scene that Carpenter originally shot Maybe. For, of him being surprised? Maybe because I'm like, why don't you remember that? And, and then he starts like freaking out. I shot him six times you tell the sheriff I shot up six times you know like he's just like he's going he's having a temper tantrum so at this point you know what the nutsy thing is too he shoots him seven times which is impossible with that gun because mm. it's a revolver yes <laughs> so now all my gun nuts are like yeah I know yeah I noticed that too <laughs> you're scaring me stop so so yeah so I'm like okay clearly you didn't really do your homework from the uh, the way it ended but he, whatever here and we are and then you get Lori in the wig which you don't think is that bad? I don't think it was that bad. And I a think lot it looks of, insane. A, a lot of people have such terms with it. It's I'm like, okay, so she she obviously went on to have a very successful career. She went on to do other movies, and uh, she might have just came from doing prom night. I think because she did have short haircut in that movie. Feels about right. And I nineteen eighty. Yeah. Yeah, that feels about right. And because yeah, because then this movie got released uh, Ooh, officially nineteen eighty. Shorter hair and. Permed a lot. Mm-hmm. So that's a different look. That is different. Hence the wig. <laughs> All right. So I'm like, but you needed the wig because again, like it, it like you, you, she could not have any other type of hair. Like if, if, if she just went with her natural hair, the haircut, like, Oh, somebody just at the hospital just gave her a fucking haircut. You know, like that yeah, doesn't, that doesn't make just, any sense. The yeah. only way you can explain that at all is by a head injury. They had to, like, shave her head, which never happened. So that was probably the only way you could have escaped with that. Um, So we get a couple of... There's a couple of bumps. A couple of little bumps, but nothing major. Yeah. I don't know. I don't have much of a a tripe with the the wig as some other people do. She's not pointing. (laughs) But I can feel the stare. (laughs) And it is amazing. My eyes narrowed into slits looking at you. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so, so here we here we have the definitive moment where we're like, oh, okay, we're in a different Halloween movie, because now uh, John Carpenter he kind of got in his head that um, couldn't really follow the formula from Halloween where it was more of a, you know every there was more implied and there really wasn't much blood at all. There was certainly violence in the movie, but there wasn't a lot of bloodshed. So now Carpenter is seeing how these other slasher movies are coming out and they're the the definitive factor, the catch, if you will, with audiences and, and teens especially, mm-hmm. is how gory can they be? Yeah, you know. So let's up that gore factor, which is still prominent today. I, I actually, and I actually, I'm gonna go with if you compare it to uh, Nightmare on Elm Street one and Friday the Thirteenth, mm-hmm. that I believe came out by this point, if not like right around the same time mm-hmm. frame. They, like, honestly, this movie though, it's still. It definitely turned up the the blood a lot more, but I still think the gore factor is is still pretty tame. 
Especially I, compared to those I other two fucking I agree movies. with you 100%. I mean, I so Friday's, I mean, friggin', um... Look at Kevin Bacon in, in, in I, Friday the 13th. Thank you. I, was, I almost called him Kevin Spacey. I'm like, wait, no, nope, <laughs> nope, stopping myself. But yeah, he gets a spear through his throat... And then, and then the iconic uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, oh my God, was that Tina? Yes. Was her name? The the way she's just getting like ripped apart. Yeah. In the well, it was a rotating room, but as you know, hard. And just... also the fountain of blood, Johnny Depp, and the fat fountain of blood coming out of the bed. I mean, yeah. Then, then yeah. I mean, look, Craven's just like hold my beer at that point. Basically. And he's like, let me let me show <laughs> oh, you how to do if it. If anyone, whatever nobody told him, freaking like you got to calm down. He's like, yeah, fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> Like, wait to see what I do in '96. Yeah. So, so then, so we, we we um we're following Michael now. Now now we're with uh we're with Michael and he's going through the neighborhood and he gets a knife from the you know nice woman making her husband a sandwich and then goes next door and immediately kills the um the young neighbor. Yeah, uh, which I believe was an added scene. It was, like, and Carpenter yeah. filmed it. Yes. Yeah, so, he, he went in and filmed a couple more scenes after Rick Rosenthal wrapped it. An interesting fact, Sinners, that I found out doing research for this movie, which I I, I didn't know happens a lot, or back, back then happened a lot. Carpenter was filming the TV edits while Rosenthal was filming the movie. Okay. So Carpenter knew this movie, when they cut it for TV, is going to be insanely truncated. Okay. He's like, I gotta film scenes that are gonna pad it out and I gotta add to this yeah so well he the, was well for the when they wanted to show it on TV he was told they were two minutes um two minutes under so there's okay. actually some more edit which I've never seen before they I watched them on YouTube he, you're missing nothing no like they, they were they were filler scenes yeah. they, they were they were they, I think he whoever he was able to get he was like yeah hey, let's just do a little whatever literally just to get the two minute factor and be able to go on TV. So, yeah, but filming, adding scenes, obviously, Sinners, is a thing. You don't need to search them out unless you're a completist. But you get three scenes. You get you get uh, Loomis talking to the, um, like, d- two members of the board, you know, begging them to keep Michael uh, locked up. So they're fleshing that out, how mm-hmm. we tried to convince him for eight years to keep him in. You've got a scene of uh, the, after Michael's escape, and he writes sister on the back of the door. So they're just, like, hammering that family connection there. And then you've got a scene of um, uh, Michael staring out the window. Yeah. A, a young Michael staring out the window. It, it added nothing. But I get it. it these are TV edits. So, you know, it, who cares? Yeah. Um, so, uh, well, by the way, I, I just have to do this because I just can't help myself. The best TV edit, and check it out on YouTube, is in Jaws 2. And sinners, circle back to our second episode of Jaws 2, <laughs> if you would. <laughs> The, and I know we talked about it in the Jaws 2 episode. That was the TV edit, the helicopter pilot um, getting killed. Mm-hmm. You know? And I remember seeing it on TV, and I'm like, why the f- why was this in the movie? This is so good. Yeah. What the hell? Anyway. So, um, <laughs> I did not know that these things happen simultaneously, and I guess it makes all the sense in the world because you have the equipment and the sets and the actors and all of this stuff you need, as opposed to, hey, we need to do this, and it's seven months later, and you're like, oh... Did someone get Jan on the phone for me? So, I learned something new. Yay me. Yeah. So now we got, uh, all right, Michael's basically just traipsing through the town um, because he doesn't know where Lori is. Right. We've got Loomis traipsing through the town looking for Michael with Brackett for the moment. Then Brackett finds out Annie's dead. Yes. Um, Annie, uh, Nancy... 
uh, keys. Which I kind of find Placer that... corpse. <laughs> Just so great. I have to admit, though, I kind of find that scene a, a, a little a little funny. It's not meant to be funny at all, but if you... Now, if you remember, in the very beginning, there... Uh, so everyone goes to the Michael Myers house, and they're completely trashing it. They're, they're searching it le- yeah. up and down to, to look for Michael there, and they're not finding him there, obviously. So they... Uh, they're looking around or whatever. All of a sudden, Loomis sees uh, somebody walking with that mask on. And, you know, he goes, oh, my God, there he is. Or he's out on, I'm not sure, yada, yada. You know, and then, you know, you see this this person walk across the street. He gets hit by a cop car and pinned against an ambulance that just happened to be sitting in the middle of the road. Middle of the road. And it erupts in fire, and now this person that was wearing the same mask uh, as Michael Myers is up in flames. And they're asking, you know, they're going, oh my god, is it him? Is it him? Dr. Loomis, this person's in flames. He's He clearly doesn't know. So now, this happens. That is a very serious fucking thing that just happened. The best is Loomis was also trying to shoot this poor kid. And he was, and he was, he was also trying to shoot him before that. So now another cop car comes. He goes to uh, not not Detective Brackett, uh, uh, Officer Brackett, Sheriff Brackett, and goes, listen, the you know those murders that happened at that house. One of them was Annie. Dude, they just all get in the fucking car. They leave the corpse on fire. On fire. And they look at the co- the cop who hit him. They're like, yeah, fix this. <laughs> hey, dumb dumb. This is your mess. This is the your- best is Loomis still has his gun out and he's trying to open the car door and he's like, ah, oh, wait, where did I put this? Let me just stick it's this such, gun in my pocket. It's such like a weird, it's, I don't know. Like it's just, it was weird choices at that moment. I mean, again, you, you hear about your child dying. I get it. Like that's, you probably get tunnel visioned, but. Sinners, it was 81. Everyone left the The country scene. was all on cocaine. And they <laughs> and were. It felt like the right thing But they do. were also witnesses to literally the other thing. Like you can't leave. No one's like, hey, why don't we put out the fire? <laughs> yeah, nobody said that. It's like, let's hot foot it over. Nobody said that. See Annie's corpse. And now, if you're paying attention, sinners, you, uh, you know, when they're trying to determine whether or not that was Michael Myers, that, you know, they're coming up with, oh, like, we need to know for sure, but no. we're not seeing any molars. We might think that, thinking this person is probably about 17 years of age. Um, you know, Michael Myers is supposed to be 21. So, um, you know, and then all of a sudden when they're at the Myers house, uh, two friends come up and say, hey, we're worried about our friend. He was kind of drunk. He's wearing a stupid mask. Um, but he apparently hasn't made it home yet. Our friend Ben Tramer. <laughs> Lori's crush from uh, Halloween 1. Which I don't know if she ever, well, she doesn't find out that in this movie, but she probably finds out later on. Well, he was super, because Annie made the phone call, and he was super excited to hang out with her that night. Little would he know that she would end up at the hospital, and he would end up flumbing. Yes. So, Ben Tramer, R.I.P. Uh, yes. Justice for Ben. And that was, and that was a, but I, I thought that was like, um, out of, of all things that happened in this movie, I thought that was a really smart little boop. I just, little, little I love how there. The cop and Loomis are like, hey, you, because they see him in the mask and his stiff hot footing across the street. 
It is, I mean, again, it's not supposed to be played for laughs, but it is so hysterical. And there's not, there's nothing on the street. Nothing. And the cop's like, he came out of nowhere. I'm like, or was crossing the street. But, all right. We'll In a bright with... white mask. We'll but, go with your version. But, okay, sure. <laughs> so now poor Ben Tramer's dead. Now we have, like, this weird little mystery, like, was that Michael Myers? But then we're, we know about ten minutes later that it wasn't, because now Michael is killing other people um and we have a sneaky suspicion that you know once they say ben tramer is wearing a goofy mask we're like oh oh, yeah sorry ben it might be it now okay we get a film we we, we get the film scene this is scene is filmed by carpenter and this is the worst expedition exposition dump in the history of exposition dumps because Carpenter films a kid with a boombox and he's listening to the local news. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, all right. I mean, I get it that you kind of shoehorn yourself in that somehow you have to get Michael to the hospital. Yeah. So the scene is... But he wouldn't is, have common sense, though. Like, I, you know, like, well, oh, I didn't get her and she's alive. Like, what? Do you want to know a better scene that they had? <laughs> Which I have no idea why they cut. Okay. The producer, when they're filming the, um, when they're filming the, uh, the scene for, uh, Annie being taken out of the house at, at, uh, the scene of the crime Mm -hmm. from the first movie. Okay. Got the television crews there. Now there's a scene where the producer is like telling an assistant, that assistant, by the way, turns out to be Dana Carvey in real life, Dana Carvey. So, um, he doesn't have any lines and he's like, you only see like quarter profile, but it's him. And she's telling him, hey, look, get statements. Get statements from the parents. If you can't get statements from the parents, just get statements from everyone. What was supposed to happen was Michael Myers was supposed to... And she then knows that Lori's at the hospital. And Michael Myers is in the trunk of her car. Okay. And she um, hotfoots it over to the hospital and gets a puncture. And there's a scene where she goes out to change the tire. And she's about to change the tire. And this guy comes over and he wants to help her and then he's like super creepy and she tells him to fuck off and then she opens the trunk and then it's killed by Michael Myers. Okay. But it's basically like he's overhearing her talking about the hospital or something to that effect. Okay. But it was it was it was another kill which they were desperate to pump this movie full of kills. Okay. And it made more sense than this kid listening to the news on a boombox, because that didn't happen in the history of electronics. Yeah. <laughs> no, no kid has ever been like, let me see what's on 1010 wins. Yes. Because that's no. sexy. Yeah. No. So anyway, what they do instead is is the kid passes by, he hears, Michael hears on the radio that she's at the hospital, and of course there's this blaring uh, road sign saying Haddonfield Hospital this way, basically like a, with a cartoon finger yeah. <laughs> in a glove, pointing. So anyway, at least we, we Frankenstein together <laughs> the, um, the way he gets to the hospital. And now, okay, so we have a proper setting, we have a proper horror movie, we have a haunted house-ish kind of setting, a little yeah, bit of it was Nostromo very, it was, vibe. It was, so, I mean, it was a very, uh, it was an abandoned section of uh, a hospital in Pasadena. Um, so they, so they did think it was perfect. It was perfect setting, especially when they decided to go for this uh, storyline. Um, the only thing Rick Rosenthal was very upset about right away is he knew how close it was to the airport. Oh. He did know that going in, aye, aye, aye. and he, so he he said he went there to scout it out, and he said it was maybe every like twelve minutes 
landing. Shit. So he's like, all right, not great, but I can work with this. Okay. So it turns out that that happened to be a slow night. Ooh. It was on average every two to three minutes. Oh. So he had a crew member on the roof the whole time just eyeballing. Uh, and and he would walkie talk in like, oh, you got a you got a window, All like right. you you got you got a window now. That's and not great. No, it wasn't. It was a very it was very. Um, All right. Um, Look, I don't even know what, what the word you got, is. Right? <laughs> you do. You were they, yeah. They already decided on the storyline. We have we have this again. It, it's perfect. It's an abandoned hospital. Yeah. <laughs> no one's using it. It's like it's now. It's your playground. They're and, on a bigger budget. But this, it's an abandoned hospital. It's a gift. You will work around it. Yeah, so... They'll fix it in post. They, they'll fix it in post. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I mean, I don't remember hearing any planes in that movie, so... No, so they did a great bra- job. So, bravo. Okay, here is... Um, so, so now we're, we're at the hospital proper. Now, here was a scene that confounded me and always has, and I did a little research on it this week because I'm like, all right, let me at least try and figure this out on the interwebs. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit get 30, bit get 20, 20, 20, bit get 20, 20, bit get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. There's a scene in the movie where a, a child gets out of a car and he's bitten into a razor blade apple. Right. And I was always convinced, always convinced, there was a cut scene where Michael gives that kid the apple. I was also convinced that that kid was the kid from Halloween 1 who comes out of the elementary school and runs into Michael Myers and then looks up. Ah. Of course that's not the same kid because that kid would be three years older and 12 feet bigger. So that's on me. I was convinced that there was a scene, though, of Michael giving the apple to the kid, but there wasn't. I did the research, and Carpenter, uh, I'm sorry, they just included the scene just because they wanted to up the ick factor and the gore factor, and a race blade to the mouth is is super icky. It was icky, yeah. You know, the, you know the, there are different edits. The TV edit, of course, doesn't have the kid come out of the car where you would, like, definitively see that honking piece of razor blade in the TV edit they just show him as he's in the hospital with a um, a bloody towel over his mouth okay but that scene always I was like I'm like it's so out of nowhere does it call back to something that they filmed and was cut out but no 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 I think it was just, just adding the yeah just adding to the the ambiance I guess so now we're meeting our our uh, you know basically a skeleton crew yeah beep, beep, beep. yeah <laughs> <laughs> at the hospital. <laughs> and what I do love, I, by the way, sinners, I should say that I like Halloween too. I like it a lot. Um, I understand 
the lineage it comes from. Halloween is just an incredibly, almost perfect horror movie. It, like, all the right things came together, and it's just, it, it, it is what it is. It's just a gem. Halloween 2, and we talk about this with all our part twos. Yeah. <laughs> if there was no Halloween, if there was no Jaws, if there was, what was the one we, we, we just did another two? Uh, if there was, if the original wasn't there, these movies would be taken, uh, they, they would have a different street cred, and they would be a little bit more beloved, but that's not the way things happen with these movies. Nope. They are a part two. For all its you know, bumps and creaks and a little bit janky. Halloween is a very good, effective slasher movie with some very clever, borderline cruel kills. And it it doesn't really utilize its protagonist very much because she's on Thorazine for most of not if not all the movie. Um I mean she, she's she's literally gotten one of Doctor Mixler's double cocktails. Yeah. So she's outski. Yeah. Okay, so this, I think, I think Carpenter, when putting the script together, he had written himself into a corner with her going to the hospital because, you know, she, she's a mobile. Yeah. So he has to make it more of a. He he also is chasing the slashers that are becoming very popular at the time, so he has to make it more of a Michael movie, which he does, and I think it. I think works. it works. It worked. You yeah. know, it, it's a different perspective, literally but also narratively and he does a good job of it Rick Rosenthal does a really sound job directing it and then what we have here is just a bunch of uh, ca cascading set pieces of kills right so um, you know look we, we, they all they kind of blend into each other they're they're effective and we do go through the hospital it's not Lori this time it's different people in the hospital different staff in the hospital uh, discovering other corpses and then usually getting killed right th thereafter. There's Nurse Janet who discovers Dr. Mixler with the needle in his eye and Carpenter directed this one scene where then Michael with that dimmer, with that dimmer filter, they mm -hmm. use the same trick that they did in the first one very effectively where he comes out of the, the background and is illuminated subtly and then he takes that needle and jabs it into her temple Carpenter filmed that. That was an add-on because he wanted to up the gore factor. And it's a pretty brutal scene. Some of the some of the weird stuff, though, it's almost like fetishy, is that when Lori gets to the hospital and they really go out of their way to show all the blood being drawn right. and the injections, they took that stuff. Rosenthal, was he, he was kind of against that. He's like, I understand that you want to kind of like have the audience cringe a bit but he's like I can do better but yeah. they made him film it right but fun facts actually about uh, the nurse uh, I think it was Anna Alicia played uh, the nurse right she, that found... ended up on, she actually ended up on some soap opera and I think was fairly famous with like oh. Falcon Cresty kind of oh, business cool. you know I watch Bravo so I'm just pretending that I didn't watch every episode of Falcon Crest <laughs> it was delicious <laughs> But so she, uh, so th during one of the the takes that they were filming that scene, so she was just she figured like you know like it's it was like I think it's it literally was supposed to be like straight air into her brain so like that's yes, that's just like yeah. like that's a you're done. <laughs> so kids she, don't do that. Yeah, don't do that. So she. Um, 
just figured like, oh, okay, like what I would do is I would just slump to the ground. So she would just okay. throw herself towards the ground. She's dead ski. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So one at one point, um, she said like the the desk was right there, like nobody moved the desk in the correct way. Okay. So she hit her eye on oh, the no. corner of oh, the desk no. during one of these, you know, takes. And literally split her eye open. But now she's like, oh, we have real blood. She said she was lying there yelling out, use it! Use it! They're like, we can't use it. Get to the hospital. She got, you know what? Yep. She, come on. What, she what a tr- trooper. She tried. She ended up getting 11 stitches from that. Damn. She's lucky she didn't lose her eye. Yeah. No, she's, yeah, she's very lucky. But I, but I thought that was funny. Like that, you hit, you knew you split your eye open, and that's your initial yeah. reaction. Use it. <laughs> we have real blood. Use it. <laughs> She's a true professional. I love it. I, I love these fun facts. Keep them coming. Okay. So okay. So look, one by one, you know, we're we're systematically killing people in the hospital. I wish I was better at my job, and I had actually written down the nurses' names or the actors' names. But there's that one actor. She's actually the smartest one in the movie because she fucks out of the hospital and it's like I'm getting out of here gets into her car and of course Michael has slashed all the tires he, uh, and I think yeah. taking all the spark plugs because the starter won't kick over yeah like, well she sees something leaking at the back of her car so yeah he definitely did okay. um, so he did a little shenanigans he definitely did something she goes back and then Lori is, is kind of like crawling she's like the mummy she's like walking crawling down the hall and then Michael takes this wacko scalpel and jabs it into her spine and lifts her off the ground and her shoes come off. And I'm like, <laughs> and also, yeah. yeah. Hey, It's just so... There's no blood. It's just like the physics of, oh my God, that, how much would that hurt? That was, her name was Jill, and that was played by Tony Moyer. She was so good. Mm-hmm. She was so good. And then, she, okay, so she's gone. And then um, you've got uh, Lance Guest finds uh, the head nurse, and and Michael has uh, stuck in... Stuck in. Stuck in. Because... <laughs> Because I'm learning English. <laughs> Duolingo, you have failed me once again. <laughs> she has a needle stuck into her vein, and there's this enormous puddle of blood. So basically, Michael just drained her out. Yeah. Which is not all that, like, visually... It's not like a kinetic kind of thing. Like, ah, but then it's the kind of thing that you think of, and you're like, yeah, that's super gross. Yeah. That, well, that would that'd see, be a bummer. The introduction to that scene, too, was, was kind of weird, right? So we have the scene where Lori is in the hospital. She's, like, drifting in and out of sleep, possibly, you think. And now they start, like, doing the blood drip onto the floor. Yeah. Right? Like, it was like, oh, like, they almost, like, went, like, tried going artsy there, the, with the, it. There's a weird and edit then, there. And then it cuts to There's scenes, a weird edit. We're missing something. Like, the foggy scenes, right? Where, so it's supposed to let you know this is a flashback. And, you know, and a, a little a little girl, like, holding a, a doll going. And, and a woman's just like... 
I told you I'm not your mother. And I'm like, what? what? Why would Sweet adoptive parent. Right? Why would you ever say that? <laughs> it's... This is what I'm talking about. When these family, the, the whole family dynamic and the direction that they had to go because they painted themselves into a dumb corner, it's janky as hell and mm. it doesn't work. And no. it's not even filmed well. And it's dumb. It's... You know? It is. It's just <laughs> it's dumb. dumb. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, John Carpenter. He's always, he's always so mad now. He's going to listen to this. He's going to yell at me. <laughs> I'm going to ask his friend Mick Garris, who's an absolute sweetheart, <laughs> to stick up for me. <laughs> so so we have we, we have these kids. Okay. Well, all right. We have to talk about one troublesome thing. Okay. In this production. Uh, you know, you got you to gotta talk about warts and all. All right. So we have... We have um, Pamela Susan Shoup, uh, who played, uh, oh my God, help me out here, Shannon. She played nurse. Oh, she, uh, Karen. Thank you. She's Nurse Karen, and she does the hot tub scene with Leo Rossi, who plays Bud. Yes. And Bud gets strangled as he's trying to adjust the temperature. And that's kind of off screen, because you see it through the frosted window, Um so he does. He's not a gruesome killer or anything like that. No, but, not at all. But he's dispatched, and then Michael goes in, and this is a very uncomfortable scene from a viewer standpoint because we know it's Michael because we can see. Right. She doesn't know it's Michael, and she's kissing his hand and like Ooh. nibbling on his hand. Yeah. It's Ooh. a great scene. I think so too. And then he dunks her um, into the the tub, which had been done, and I want to say Bay of Blood, but it definitely wasn't Bay of Blood. But it's absolutely a giallo, and I don't know what I'm talking about because I'm not good at podcasting, <laughs> but it is definitely a giallo, but that was crypt. Okay. Um, so then she's dispatched by basically, you know, being drowned, but also being like cooked dish. Well, cause he turned, he turned the, um, like to get their attention, like he turned it up or, yeah, yeah, or, he cranked that to or figured, yeah, he figured like, I'll, I'll let them sit there and cook. I don't care. And she's like, Oh no, this is too hot. And, um, so yeah, so it's supposed to be like, uh, like beyond boiling. Um, so, hence her face gets more, more, um, scolded. The only troubling part, I want to bring this up because it, it bears sticking out for Pamela Susan Shoup. Okay. For Nurse Karen, you know, she had to do the nude scenes, and she look, she took the job because she knew that there would be some nudity involved. She didn't know to what degree it was going to be involved, and she only agreed on topless. But she really did have, she, she was told it was going to be a close set. She says there were 19 fucking guys there. Oh, wow. You know? I mean, again, it's 81. Things have definitely gotten better. Have they gotten better definitively? I don't know. But we hope. But it's, it, it I, I just, I'm, I'm bummed for her. You know, yeah, I I never I never knew that. I knew that. So Leo Rossi, who plays Bud, he he talks about that scene, and he said that Rick Rosenthal went up to him saying, "Well, she, she's very, you know, the very last second, the eleventh hour, if you will, was very yeah, feeling very self conscious. They didn't really go into the why, so that's the there's yeah. that, I guess. So, but he asked, he's like, D- you know, can you go in and go first? Now, honestly, I mean, as ridiculous as that is, is um. You know, the fact that, you, like, why couldn't you just make it a closed set? That's It shouldn't be that big of a deal. But whatever. So, but Leo, but Leo Rossi, like, explaining this scene, I actually found it hilarious because, he, you know, he's like, you know, basically he was asked, like, can you, you know, derobe and go in first and make her feel a little more comfortable because now you're already exposed yeah. and, you know, we're in this together type of a thing. We're a team. We just need to get the scene done. So, so he does. He's like, I got a toe in so that the hot tub it was actually ice water ice cold right it was freezing yeah. he's just like he's just like what the fuck and, and, he, and he's like and he said that he just looked over at rick rosenthal and he was just 
please. Oh. <laughs> just doing the, you know, like, please for me. Um, like, so he's like, I just got in there. But he's like, dude, I looked down. It was a raisin. <laughs> Could you imagine? And then they'll like, be sexy. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so, but then, but he just ends the story with, uh, uh, you know, because he's definitely like an Italian mofo, and he's just like, you know, I look down, freaking like Italian style, yeah, all right, forget about it. <laughs> so he, yeah, so he was making fun of himself because it like shrunk inside of him, basically, because that's how cold the water was. Can't apparently, the poor guy. Uh, yeah. So, uh, but apparently that got her comfortable enough to, you know, everyone because everyone, everyone's laughing at him, basically, yeah. type of a thing. So good on I, him. Yeah, good on him to lighten it because yeah. it seems like it was that was a really really tense scene to do. Yeah, but so, she got through it. It was, yeah. you know, it, it, yeah. it, it was done. I but. think credit it was to him. Like he made it just, you know, made fun of himself, and then he... Leo, Pamela, good yeah. job, good job getting through that. You get a salute. So now, oh, okay, I want to go back to Lance Guest because um, he, oh, uh, Jimmy, he plays Jimmy. Yes. So Jimmy slips and falls on the uh, the gigantic pile of blood from the mm-hmm. head nurse. Uh, nurse, nursed. What the. I mean, my I'm tongue like, is too big. Another, we almost got another spit take. Teeth are too small, or they're <laughs> both too big. I need a new mouth. So, nursed, head nursed, <laughs> blood all over. Jimmy slips and falls. Now, here's the interesting thing. Jimmy ends up in his car, and he has, uh, and Lori's hiding in there. And and there there's two edits. There's TV edit, and then there's the theatrical edit. The theatrical edit and the TV edit show the same thing. Jimmy slumps over in the car, mm-hmm. uh, and you think, we, no one knows if he died or not, but you succumb to his concussion, and he's passed out. He hits the horn, Lori hotfoots it. Um, at the end of the movie in the TV edit, he's actually in the ambulance with her. Yes. And there was that one final scare where he's actually draped in a sheet, yeah. and he comes up. He, a la he sits the, up like the yeah Halloween you know uh, you'll bend at the waist and come up and he's got a bandage around his head and then Laurie holds his hand and says we made it and then that's the end of the movie yes I love that all day long it's kind of you know at that point they were like this is done this is dusted we're not doing another Halloween um I wonder why they didn't keep that because so everything Lori went through, it's at least something. If you but if you watch the documentary, Rick Rosenthal, yeah, he that was not his decision. He's yeah. like up to this day, and now you figure, you know, the, I'm assuming it was made only a couple of years ago. The documentary, um, <clears throat> looking back at this film, he was like up to this day, I have no idea who cut that out. Huh. So it was done without even his knowledge. The weird thing about it is. Scene that they keep, you can tell the way the camera, the the way they cut it, there is something going on in the whole other part of that ambulance yeah. in the back. Because it's a very truncated shot yeah. of Lori, and he's very close on her, and then Mr. Sandman plays, and, and then it's over. Yeah. So, like, knowing a little bit more about movies now than I did then, like, I can look at scenes now and be like... What are they? This isn't what they meant to put on. Yeah. Well, somebody what? meant to put it on, but yeah. What's going on? There? Why they cut it in the way they cut it is. Now but it makes sense. But it's a mystery. Like yeah. I said, it was not Rick Rosenthal's decision, and he's like, I don't know who the fuck did that. So now it makes sense. So let's get to let's get to our proper ending. So we have Loomis finally makes it um, to the hospital. He's basically commandeered a, a, a state trooper and. Uh, Nurse Marion has now shown up to tell him he's got to go back to report to the governor. So, 
he ends up at the hospital. Uh, and after after hearing that Laurie Strode was adopted. Oh yeah, I just, that, sorry. Yeah, we have yeah. more of the family factor. Yep. Hearing that she's adopted, now he he hightails it there. Um, now we have Laurie and Loomis and Michael all together in the hallway. Loomis shoots Michael very much like he did at the end of Halloween. Michael slumps to the ground, of course. The state trooper then gets his throat slit because he won't listen to Loomis as he's screaming at him, stay away from the corpse. Um, and now we end up in like some sort of, uh, like th- I was going to say therapy room, but maybe equipment room, where there's lots of these um, cylindrical oxygen tanks. And uh, Loomis gives Lori the gun. She shoots out Michael's eyes. Great oh, shot. By the, by yeah, the way. Right? Andy, <laughs> for, 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 not, for not knowing how to use it. She didn't want to take the gun. She's like, for, no, no, no. Okay, bang, bang. <laughs> <laughs> for not knowing how to use a gun. So like, I'm gonna, like, damn. I want to give a shout out to my man, stuntman, Dick Warlock. Yeah. And let me tell you why I love Dick Warlock. First off, he got a lot of shit. Not from audiences, but from the production the crew of uh, namely Deborah Hill for his, his betrayal of Michael. About his walk? About he they was shorter. <laughs> and, yeah, and his walk. And he's like, hey, you got any notes? And she's like, no, you're doing great. And then after after the movie came out, she was like, yeah, I didn't like how he played Michael. And he was like, what the fuck? Yeah, was, he's like, you never corrected you my walk. You were only on set every, every day watching take after take of what I was doing. I think he's great. Yeah. As, as I, a man of average, not short, average stature, <laughs> I appreciate an average height, Michael Myers. <laughs> it speaks to me. But he wore lifts in his boots, and then they were kind of good. They were clowning on him because he has a different face than Nick Castle. So instead of a more slender mask profile, it was more filled out. And they're like, he has like a wider face because it's the same exact mask. Now, also too, it's literally the same mask. Where, but and where that mask was from point A to point B, it was probably like in a box somewhere. Like everyone's like, oh, the hair is weird. Do you want to know exactly where it was? Probably matted down during the entire shoot of. Halloween, it was in the back pocket of Nick Castle's overall oh, coveralls. That, that's why the mask is worn down more. And then um, Deborah Hill had it under her bed, not in a box, just <laughs> under the bed, collecting dust. And she was a, a, a real heavy smoker. So that's why the mask is also a little more yellowed out because of all the um, tobacco smoke. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> we think, <laughs> sinners, this is, this is the. the Reality versus the perception. If you would ask Shannon and this, I, this movie made me millions and millions and millions of dollars. I'm going to take this iconic piece and throw it under my bed. If someone had walked in this room right now and we hadn't done any research and said, "Shannon, Sean, where do you think they kept the Michael Myers mask <laughs> after filming of of 1978's Halloween?" We would have, without blinking, said, "The Smithsonian." Yeah. <laughs> And they would have said, no, it was with the dust bunnies <laughs> under Deborah Hill's California house, Ugh. collecting dust and just soaking up nice nicotine. And that that's literally the mask that they use. So it is the same one. Dick Warlock's got a different shaped head. Get yeah. the guy a break for God's sakes. Yeah. And you know? he, I think he ended up, he got to keep it. Uh, yes, he did. Yeah. He eventually did sell it. But let me tell you why I really love Dick Warlock. Besides the fact that his fucking name is Dick Warlock. I mean, how are you not like Dick Warlock, Private Eye? It's just the dude. 
So he's great stunt man, and he's got his, you know, a, a great career. And he's very he, concerned with safety too, by the way. Yes. Like every kill scene, yep. he works with the actors and actresses very, very um, hands on, if you will. Shannon, it's happening. It's yeah. happening right now. It's happening right now. Guess who's getting a kiss <laughs> we, on the face? We, we, Dick, Dick Warlock. Warlock. <laughs> <laughs> and I kiss your face. Yeah. Dick Warlock, whose son would then go on to star in the movie Society, another great horror movie. Uh... Billy Warlock. Ah. Yeah. So, Warlock family. Oh, you are just gems. So, anyway, he plays the assassin android in Halloween 3. Ah, that's, that's right. Yep. That's so, right. I mean, we'll get to that, Sinners. You just wait. We'll get to that. <laughs> yes. So, uh, okay. It's, it's so, its own episode. So, now we have what is supposed to be the definitive ending to the Michael Myers saga, which, again... Uh, uh, you know what? I'm even getting tired of hearing me bitch and moan about the family aspect. But it just, I'm like, you didn't even need it. You just didn't even need it. Enough. That never box did. kid solved all our problems. <laughs> you just didn't even need it. So, so anyway, so now we've got Michael blinded and he's swiping around. And it's actually a really effective scene because um, Loomis has been stabbed. He's yeah. on the other side of the room. Lori's trapped and she's kind of crouched down. And Michael Myers is swinging that damn scalpel all over the place. And then Loomis has the epiphany, okay, I'm just going to, I've been stabbed. I'm just going to blow myself up and I'm going to save Lori. And I like Loomis's way of saving Lori is just screaming at her, get out now. Yeah. <laughs> get out now. That's my Donald Pleasance. <laughs> so, it's fantastic. Sinners, it was me. It wasn't the actual Donald Pleasance. I know you're confused right now. It was me. He did not come back from the dead. Nope. Remember when I did the psycho music and you thought it was actually the orchestra was here? That was great, great too. <laughs> so he turns on the gas and he's got his lighter and he says, uh, does he say, Michael, this is it? Something along those lines. Along those lines or um, something along those lines. Yes. I forget exactly what he said. I heart you too. So <laughs> I kiss your face. I kiss your <laughs> You son of a bitch. You son of a bitch. <laughs> There's so many air high fives going on right now, Sinister. There's just so many. So he effectively blows himself up, and Michael Myers. Well, there's a really good scene that Michael Myers uh, then uh, engulfed in flames. And this is a real, I mean, th this whoever was, did that. Apparently this was too much fire. There's a lot of fire. There's a lot of fire. There's a, a lot of fire. Troublesome amount of fire. There, yeah. there was a troublesome amount of fire on the stunt person. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, I mean, Which was Dick Warlock. You can tell Dick <laughs> is in a lot of pads. Yeah. I mean, look, guys, back then it's 81. A lot of the fire stunts, you kind of can tell, like, they kind of look like the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man because there's so much protective gear on there but let's also not obviously forget you have to that do that though dick warlock was like hey okay put accelerant all over me and set me on fire so no matter how puffy he looks that stunt is balls i mean yeah and you watch it there's so much fire <laughs> so and i like that he you know he does the walk and there's the music going and then he goes to his knees and then falls over and mm -hmm. then that's that's it. And so if you're if you're going to ask did he get injured? So a little bit he does, but I cannot believe 
Because it was all the fire in the world. They had he had to do it twice because the first people are crazy. Right, (laughs) the first suit that he was wearing, nobody like really thought about it. They didn't zip it up. No, well, right here has a zipper. Oh my god! So so he got fucking third third degree burns on his foot. I know I'm pointing, and sinners can't see where I'm pointing. So he had sinners look at your forearm right now. (laughs) There are zippers on the forearm. And yeah, so they did not light him on fire, and I, I believe that scene he dropped rather quickly, and they, you know, because that's that's the that's but the thing you do. It. So they're putting him out. They still have to actually get him out of the gear for it to stop hurting. Yeah, him. yeah. And yeah, who yeah. knows how long that took? Oh man, Dick Warlock, you, Jesus. Yeah. That so super. Yeah, good. and then he went. Oh, okay. I got a different suit. I, I yeah, I could do it again. <laughs> again, stun people. Yeah. This is all over your faces. You're, you're, you're so crazy. You're insane. Yeah, we love it. But, but, but you got the shot. So yeah, so I think it was that second shot that they went with, and there, for whatever reason, was a ridiculous amount of fire. So so that, that's honestly, that's, oh my God, oh, how could I forget this? How could you forget this? And I'm mad at both of us right now. <laughs> Who plays the coroner? Who identifies, uh, uh... Ben Tramer's body. You know, I thought you were going to bring that up before. No, 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 Ben. It was in uh, Jaws 2. It's Deputy Hendricks. Yes. Comes out of nowhere. Larry Kramer is like, guess what? I got off Amity Island and I got into the medical profession. And this is not Michael Myers. It's Ben Tramer. <laughs> Hashtag justice for Ben. Yeah. So I saw Lenny Hendricks and I was like, I just, I love this movie even more now. So, look, I pretty much covered all of the all the stuff that I wanted to go over. I believe, I, I think I just found one random fact, actually, which nobody talked about, but I'm just kind of just scrolling, you know, whatever. And apparently, uh, Billy Warlock is in the film as Craig. Don't and you tell me he's, he's Boombox Kid. No, I don't think he's, he's the... Bo- no, he doesn't have a name. Okay. <laughs> no, but I'm pretty sure if... So if he has a name, Craig, I'm, I'm assuming he's one of the friends that goes, hey, my friend Ben Tramer is missing. Oh, okay. I'm assuming he was one of those kids. All right. Because it's... Yeah. But I, I just I just kind of came across that right, right meow. Yeah, I said meow. Meow, 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 Feline listeners, we see you. We see you. Right meow. Right meow. We promise you next week we're going to get mouse at work. That's not going to happen. That's an empty promise. That is an empty promise. So that's our Halloween 1 and 2. We do have, look, we got more Halloweens for sure. There's four. There's five. We don't talk about sex. No. We've done H2O. We, I'll do a passing glance at the Halloween David Gordon Green remakes when we talk about Exorcist Believer. Okay. We could talk about how he's bringing these properties back, but okay. I, I didn't like them. Okay. Did you like them? Wait, which ones? The Halloween, Halloween Kills, and Halloween Ends. Oh, 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 oh. For some reason, I thought you were like... Like you said another name, I was like, I'm thinking like Rob Zombies. I'm like, wait. Was- oh shit, I forgot about his. But um, okay, so no, the okay, 
So the the, la- the last like right, it's a trilogy, right? That they that they went with yes. for the fortieth anniversary. I and I actually got a lot of flack for this uh-huh. because I wrote a review, posted it on my Facebook, and uh, or actually not even on my Facebook. I think I belong to um, you know how I had those like groups. Uh, group friends sure. or whatever on Facebook. So whatever horror community one I belong to, I posted on there okay. that I didn't <laughs> for the mm, <laughs> the fortieth anniversary one. Um, I oh my god, I I can't tell you how much I hated that one. I have such hatred for that. And dude, I can't tell you how many mad emoji faces I got. It's not a good movie. It's a terrible movie. There are some clever look the execution he knows how to direct a movie there's some really good looking scenes there's some clever ideas none of which come to fruition none none, none whatsoever really i don't get dr loomis wanting to help him all of a sudden so i don't get the i it, no yeah. i i hated like all of it i didn't like the fact that i thought the movie would be better had laurie been a typical completely normal real estate agent and she's living her life and fantastic and then at the end it turns out that she had all along planned to trap him and had this crazy trappy house you know and that would have been like i would have respected that because i'd been like oh you you got me because all along i thought that she would just was you know had gotten past it but she was laying in wait and that would have been a surprise for me Mm -hmm. I didn't even see the, the, the remaining ones. It's, again, there are... I figured every, I would have to eventually. Every single one of them, <clears throat> it, it, it's, it's, it's like Jekyll and Hyde. They have a, a very clever concept or idea, and it's polar opposite is the stupidest thing that you've ever seen in your life. So <laughs> they just, yeah, it, it, nothing landed. Like, nothing I never I never even place. heard of anyone really talking about it once they came out. So. No, and now, now we got Believer coming out, Exorcist Believer, mm-hmm. with the same director and, and another, you know, another treasured, you know, piece of horror history. Yeah, And I'm like... Sure nervous yeah like her but look we give everybody their fair shot until we see it with our own peepers yeah i've said it before if i'm going to um talk shit about something i definitely want to do it properly so i'll i'm sure i'll watch it eventually i just knew i wasn't going to the movies again to see them and then what i always say is if i'm gonna talk shit about somebody i will tell 11 people and hope it doesn't get back to them And that's how we roll. And that's how we do. <laughs> all right. Anything? No, that was that was all that. Was, yeah, that's everything. Our, Hall- <laughs> our Halloween's are done. So yeah. uh, again, sinners, it is now October. What do you do when listening to this podcast? But God bless you for doing it. Thank you so much. We love you guys, and please support us on. Excuse me, while I make sure I, can, <laughs> I have the right information here. These are pages turning. Okay, so only because I confuse the hell out of them, and I'm always giving out the, the wrong ones for the wrong thing. On Instagram, we are at sinful cuts, but that is C I N dot F U L underscore. Don't you dash me, sinner. That's an underscore C U T S C I N dot F U L underscore C U T S. Please follow us on Instagram and spread the love because the more people, and we're gathering a community, the more people we see on Instagram and we're posting all the time and hopefully we're 
pointing you in uh, different directions of stuff you should check out or giving you a laugh uh, during the day. So we really appreciate you um, checking us out. And then, of course, on all your listening platforms, whether it be um, uh, Apple Music or Amazon Music or Spotify or Google Music, um, we're all over the place. Uh, by I even forgot to say we are hosted by Acast. So if you don't even have any of those platforms, you can go online and you can listen to our Sinful Cuts podcast at acast.com. Just find us there and you can listen right on your computer. Do it at work. Turn it up real loud cuz that manager is a pain in the ass. <laughs> And our voices will certainly annoy him. And you deserve a raise. That's right. Should go demand it. So that's what we got right there. Um, we will be back next week. Are we divulging or are we not divulging? I we can flip a coin. No, I don't know. Uh, no, I, I'll di- I, I will divulge. Yeah, do it. Divulge. Yes. Is that the word? Well, we don't know English, so yeah, okay. So yeah. It, it is now. <laughs> it's, it's like our eleventh language in the space. <laughs> All right, so but our next week's episode is going to be Night of the Demons. Yeah, ah! <laughs> I'm really excited to rewatch that one. It's been a while. Sinners, this could be. Look, this could be a deep cut for some, and just like a regular watch for others. It really all depends on how deep you go into horror. Sometimes you don't. Your average horror viewer might miss this one. Yeah. So if we can bring it to anyone's attention, this movie's fun as hell. I know. I love this movie so much. So please join us next week for Night of the Demons. We cannot wait to talk to you, Shannon. Why don't you take us out of here? And that's a cut. <laughs> meow 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 meow